When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. No music, no intro. Hashtag Saints Twitter podcast is back. Um, I, I'm feeling a little like Roger Goodell on day three of the draft. I'm like on my couch, not sitting up under a blanket, just relaxing, recording a podcast, uh, living the life. Uh, joined as always with Ryan. You can follow Ryan on Twitter at that boy Wolf. And the draft is over. There, there is literally nothing for us to look forward to any longer. Um, but being that the draft is over, we did have to bring our guy back, Scott Wright, to talk about the Saints draft, um, recap it, his thoughts on it, um, just have a, a, a deep dive. Uh, so, first of all, how, how you doing, Ryan? Yeah, I'm doing good, man. I'm just like you, just kind of kind of recuperating after the draft and then you kind of it's like you're walking into the wilderness and the uh tumbleweeds rolling by and it's like damn this is it man nothing else you know there's no o- there's no ota practice updates to look forward to there. yeah and, and then then sean payton was like no we're not doing any of that virtual mini camp yes it's just stay home We'll talk to you guys in August. You know? <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah, it's nothing going on. Uh, so, like always, you can follow Scott on Twitter at Scott. I was gonna be at Draft Countdown. Uh, go to Draft Countdown. Looks like sounds like the 2021 mock is gonna be up at some point there, Scott. It's coming. I got my player pool. I just gotta match up players and teams and plug them into the web page. So yeah, it's uh. Next year's going to be a pretty fun class. I think we're going to have three or four quarterbacks in the first round again. We're going to have a, a superstar left tackle prospect. Uh, so, yeah, next year, uh, it's always fun to turn the page. Now I've been talking about the same players for eight, nine months, so I'm excited to start, excited to start fresh and uh, start digging into a new group and certainly have plenty of time to do it now with the current situation in the world. So we – Ryan asked this uh, when we were not recording, and I've kind of have pondered on this on Twitter. I think it was either this week or last week. So just so us, if there is no college season, football season, what potentially does the NFL do in terms of the twenty one, the twenty twenty one NFL draft? Like it's just so uncharted territory. Like I thought, like maybe a complete lottery system. Um, but I just, I don't know how they would rectify that. Yeah, well, the, uh, uh, you know, I mentioned the closest parallel you could probably find, at least recently, was the NHL. When they didn't have a season, they did a 
kind of a, a lottery within tiers based on the records from the year before. And I think that's the most likely way. I don't think you can do a straight lottery. You can't have a chance of uh, the, the Chiefs getting Trevor Lawrence and be able to raffle off that pick or anything <laughs> like that. So I, I, I think you have to throw some little qualifiers and things of that nature in there. But I guess that would be the, the closest parallel. But but who knows? I mean, it's such uncharted territory. And I mean, I think it's I think there's a really good chance it's going to be an NFL season. I think they'll find a way to do it because there's so much money, the TV contracts, they want to get the games on the air. But uh, college football, I mean, that's a lot tougher, especially when you're talking about college kids, quote-unquote amateurs. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, are there going to be students on campus? Are they going to be allowed on campus and not other students? It's just there's just so many what-ifs about this college football season that, that I'm almost more interested to see what happens there as opposed to the NFL. So in the same vein, before we get – talking about the Saints and their draft class. Um, could there could we see a an abundance, or maybe not abundance, but like a rash of players enter the supplemental draft um, upcoming in the next couple of months with the uncertainty for the college football season? Yeah, I was recently thinking about that, and, and it's possible. Maybe uh, with so much uncertainty, they just want a, a strike right now while they can. But at the same time, I mean, there's a reason these guys went back to school. It's because they weren't that highly thought of. They needed that senior season to really elevate their stock. Uh, so so th- they'll be taking a lot of risk, not to mention the fact that teams uh, – the supplemental draft is already not nearly as much due diligence as a normal prospect would get, and there's going to be far less now. So um, how comfortable are teams going to feel investing a future draft pick in a guy they haven't really been able to to dig deep on? So – there's just so many question marks. I don't know how much more advantageous it is for a guy to enter the supplemental draft this year as opposed to just waiting for the normal draft and see what comes. All right, so let's let's quickly recap the the Saints draft. They they have they ended up with four draft picks. Um, round one, they kind of a slight curve or swerve in terms of the selection. Although as Saints fans, I think we've kind of expected that to come in terms of staying at 24 and drafting uh, center slash potentially offensive guard, Cesar Ruiz. Um, in round three, they traded up and drafted Zach Bond, edge slash off bond linebacker from Wisconsin. Um, they also drafted Adam Troutman, or excuse me, Troutman, tight end from Dayton. And they finish it off by trading, uh, trading a pick for next year to draft uh, Tommy Stevens, quarterback from uh, Mississippi State, and also played at Penn State. So not a lot of players for a team that is considered a stacked, top, you know, deep team contender in the NFC, contender in the NFL. So not a lot of positions to you know have competition at. Um, but just in general, what were your overall thoughts on the Saints draft class? Yeah, definitely a, a quality over quantity approach uh, with, with just those four picks and really three picks uh, in the early rounds. But uh, I, they did a good job of kind of finding that balance between bringing in guys who are going to help them win now and also keeping an eye on the future to a certain degree. Um, uh, the other thing, too, is I wish I and I'm sure you guys could get all the time back we spent talking about wide receivers for the saints <laughs> here here they didn't draft a wide receiver at all we thought oh maybe they take one in the first round uh 
No, no wide receivers. Uh, that was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, that would probably be my one maybe criticism of their class is that they, they could have brought in another pass catcher, especially in this draft that was just so incredibly strong. But, I mean, I have no arguments with what they did with those first three picks. And, and the last one is just a wild card. And we can talk about Tommy Stevens, uh, the quarterback from Mississippi State, who's uh, a lot of nice pieces there, but not a great football player. And he gets – you hear the Taysom Hill comparisons, but the difference is Taysom Hill was a really good college football player. Um, Tommy Stevens never put it all together in college, but intriguing skill set in terms of the size, the athleticism, the arm strength. I remember hearing about him a year ago at this time at the Manning Passing Academy getting rave reviews for what he did there. So a toolsy guy, uh, and, and clearly based on the reports that I just saw recently, Sean Payton and the Saints really, really, really wanted Tommy Stevens. So, hey, if uh, you have that type of conviction – uh, in a player in the late rounds, I mean, a future six-round pick to go get him. Uh, what the heck? Uh, very much a wild card, though. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're missing out on the wide, wide receivers. Obviously, if you if you peeked into Saints Twitter, it was uh, it was quite a it was it was a mess, you know. Because, like you said, we talked about it all year. Saints going to get a wide receiver. Tony Pauline had us getting two wide receivers. So yeah. then, then we signed, then we signed um, Emmanuel Sanders, and we're like, okay, we're gonna get at least one. Uh, something everybody kind of picks their favorites. Yeah, everybody had their favorites, you know, and you figure we're gonna at least, if not in the first round, they're gonna trade up in the second round and snatch one or something. But it didn't happen. But you know, we've went through this in the past with the Saints, and like you know, a couple of years ago, they, you know, they were about to draft Reuben Foster. We all loved Reuben Foster. Uh, then something, you know, the 49ers snuck up and drafted him right before us. We wound up drafting Ryan Ramchek. Every, pretty much everyone hated it at the time, but now he's like an all pro, you know, about to get a huge contract in the next year or so. So, and so I'm it's one of those. Per- oh, I was just going to say, I'm fully prepared every time T. Higgins scores a touchdown. We'll hear a tweet from Adam on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Saying he's just a guy. Oh. <laughs> It's, it's ready. T. Higgins, Michael Pittman Jr. It's draft. Oh, yes. oh. <laughs> Michael Pittman, uh, Justin Jefferson going to the uh, – I mean, the Vikings killed it. I mean, they got Justin Jefferson. They got Jeff Gladney, who I really liked. I was like, oh, my God. Like, why do this? But 15 picks. They're going to have the deepest practice squad in the league. Oh, man. They needed it, though. But um, back to Saints. Uh, you know, Cesar Ruiz – well, how do you, I mean, what do you? I, we, I don't sit and watch offensive line. I just, I'm just not gonna, you know, commit that to my day. Well, what did you come about feeling about him? I know a lot of people kind of had him as a, you know, either a low first or a second round pick. I think I tweeted a couple months back that of all the prospects in this class, I don't know that many got more universal praise from evaluators than Ruiz. Everybody that watched this film came away liking him. Uh, he's that type of player and not necessarily one skill that, that really stands out. He's just really adequate across the board. Good, not great athlete. Uh, good strength, not great. Uh, but, but it just all comes together in a really terrific, well-rounded package. And also he brings those intangibles that are so important for, especially if he's playing, uh, ends up playing center long-term, but uh, anywhere along the interior of the line, uh, the closer you're out of the ball, you want, the higher level of intelligence and he definitely checks that mark. So, um, and that was right where he was supposed to go. I mean, I think in my final mock draft, I had him going 23 and he wanted point 24. I thought he was a first round pick. 
I had no idea the Saints were going to be the one taking him, but I mean, it makes sense that that's a position the Saints have historically prioritized uh, on draft day and an area, an area they're willing to invest in. So um, not the flashiest pick they could have made, probably the least flashy pick they possibly could have made there, but as safe as a pick that they possibly could have made. And I mean, that, that's going to be a 10 year player for them. Yeah. And I, th- and I think something that goes under the, maybe it doesn't go under the radar and n- not, not even uh, someone who is in, in tune with football. Like I am like, I'm so, like the draft is about opening that Christmas present and you're just like, yeah, like you're excited about it. And an offensive lineman is never, unless your team is just garbage on the offensive line, like the Jets or other teams. Like if you're a already decent team, like getting an offensive lineman is just going to be like, womp, womp, womp. However. It's like the equivalent of getting socks or sweaters. Yeah, or something. yeah. Like, yeah like, exactly. Like some pajamas. But I will say that across the board, you even with the, the Reese pick, you look at the Saints' offensive line. You have Armstead. Obviously, he has his injury. He's consistent. He needs injured often throughout the season. But you have Armstead. You have Pete. You have potentially uh, Ruiz, and then you have, you they'll potentially move McCoy to right guard. It sounds like Larry Warford's time in New Orleans is at, somehow it's ending, whether it be trade or cut at some point. And then you have Ramchek at right tackle, like. They're 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 set for the future and the now in terms of their offensive line for Drew Brees to make a one last run, as well as whoever the quarterback of the future is going to be, whether it be Taysom, whether it be Jameis, whether it be another quarterback sniping on the roster. Like that is in theory a very stacked offensive line in a top, I would say top three, top five offensive line in the league. Yeah, and I mean, and and it should be for the investments they've made, but but their investments have paid off. They've got a really good hit rate there, and um, I, I'm one who's never going to argue against building along that offensive line, especially when you have a an elderly quarterback like Drew Brees. So uh, it, it makes a whole lot of sense, and 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 they're to the point now where just if they just resign the guys they have, that they shouldn't have to make a huge investment in that position uh, for a long time, with exception maybe a left tackle. Uh, but but that's probably a little down the line. So yeah, they're they're set up now for years to come. So then the uh, uh, the second round goes by. You know we had we had there were many reports that the Saints were trying to trade back up. It didn't happen. Uh, but they eventually traded up enough to get their guy Zach Bond. Uh, I, I studied a little bit of him before the draft. I uh, wasn't really blown away by his, you know, by his athleticism, but I, honestly, I didn't put too much time in it because I just knew, you know, we were going to draft either Queen or Murray if we did draft the linebacker, but apparently that didn't happen. So uh, what were your thoughts on Zach Bond? Where'd you have him rated and, uh, you know, what's his outlook? So before, before Scott, I just want to quickly interject this. It's funny because in the lost like what episode zero of hashtag Saints Twitter pod, we had a little section where we talked about that for like what at least a minute or two um, that no one will ever hear. Um, so anyway, um, I'm gonna just piggyback quick off Ryan. When I saw him as a player before the Saints drafted him, because I started looking looking him up just like Ryan did, because there were like some rumblings and you saw some mock drafts 
having the Saints take him at 24. So I watched him and like, I just, I just didn't see, I didn't see it. I just didn't see it. And then I reached out to Scott through text message and he, he makes the most, like that's, I would say that's Scott's one of his pros in terms of as a prospect, if you're making Scott a prospect, his player comparisons are, are bar none. Like they are spot on. So he made the comparison Zach Bond to Cowboy Noy, and it was one of the most perfect on the money comparisons, and I I haven't been able to shake it since. Hmm. Yeah, I, I think there's some comparisons there, and if that is a comparison, it's probably a little concerning for a Saints fan because mm-hmm. it took Kyle Van Noy a little time and another organization to kind of really find his niche and and the right way to utilize his kind of unique skill set, and and Bond has that kind of unique skill set. Uh, and like Adam said, I mean, there was some chatter that he maybe he was a dark horse candidate for the Saints in round one. So to get him where they did in round three was terrific value. And I'm not sure how much that that diluted sample on the drug test at the scouting combine had to do with that. But uh, I, I would have been, you know, late round one, that would have been a little rich for me for him. But round three, I mean, I, that's a terrific pick. And the, the thing I guess I like most about it for the Saints other than the value and addressing a need is he kind of gives them a different dimension at the linebacker position than they've had. I'm trying to remember the last time the saints had a linebacker who was a legitimate threat and weapon as a pass rusher and blitzer. Maybe you guys have somebody in mind and maybe I'm missing somebody obvious, but um, you know, he's going to bring something to the table that I know nobody on their current roster has, but I'm trying to think back. When was the last time they had someone who, who could get after the quarterback and be a capable weapon? behind the line of scrimmage at linebacker? Uh, like Vaughn Johnson in the 90s? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say Ricky Jackson. <laughs> so another another player you compared Bond to, and this is a player that I loved as a prospect, and he, he's shown flashes in the NFL as well, is I'll just always refer to him as USC number 42. I, I don't even try to say his actual name. Um <laughs> Kenan Nuoso. I, I got to give credit to Daniel Jeremiah for that one, I think. Um, so, because I, could, I, could, I see both the Cowboy Noe comparisons and I see also the USC 42 comparisons. And so I think the, the biggest thing that worries me as a, as a Saints fan is, to me, projecting him to be an off-ball linebacker. Like, he showed it a bit at Wisconsin. But if you actually watch his film, he's an, an edge defender in a 3-4 defense, and he's rushing the quarterback at least 90% of the snaps, it seems like. And so it, it feels like projecting him to be an off-ball linebacker is just that. It's a projection. Um, and there's been talks that he potentially may play the weak, weak side, the will position, which I would understand. But there's also talks that he they potentially want him to play the mic, which is – little concerning to me so I know you're at the Super Bowl and you got sorry the senior bowl and you got to see him in senior bowl practices um performing off the ball drills linebacker drills what were your impressions when you saw him you know in person yeah and that was the big question with him going into the senior bowls we wanted to see him work in reverse and and see him operate in coverage and and I think he handled himself well uh I think he certainly showed the skill set to do it and He's going to need a little bit of reps, and it's, it's going to take maybe a little time to come along. But I, I think the, the tools uh, and the ability are definitely there to, 
to be effective in that aspect of the game. And, uh, and the other thing too, you know, being down at the senior bowl, got to see him a little bit off the field and see him interacting and, and talk with him for a couple minutes. Really impressive kid. I mean, he's, he's a, a high character guy who's, who's you're going to want representing your organization. So, so obviously it comes down to what you do on the field, but that's definitely a, a nice little added bonus. Yeah, I noticed that about all the Saints draft picks. Uh, You know, just listening to Jeff Ireland and uh, the scouting staff, thinking the, you know, the last few years they went back and they really made character a big part of their evaluation, uh, giving it up, giving it to just to give it more weight in the evaluation and and overall grade. So, I mean, when I look at all the Saints draft picks this year, they were, and I listened to their interviews, they all came off as just really likable, really smart, charismatic you know, football hungry, you know, those type of guys. So uh, I guess that's one good thing. Obviously, you know, what you do on the field matters more than that. But I think those two go together pretty well. Uh, So moving down to the tight end, who I've grown pretty excited about. I liked him a little bit when I watched him uh, earlier this year, even though there wasn't much tape I could watch. And watching that tape just feels like I'm kind of watching a high school team. But uh, Adam Trotman from Dayton, I you know I, I really like him. I, I think he would be a pretty different tight end than the Saints have had in a while. Probably the most similar type would probably be I don't know. I mean I guess uh, Dave Thomas, but even him, he was like a smaller kind of H back looking uh, tight end. But I just I like I like the dimension he could possibly add to the Saints. What what, what would your opinion on uh, Adam Trotman? Well, a year ago at this time, uh, he was already on the radar. He's always he has been throughout the entire process was considered one of the top small school prospects. So I remember watching him last summer, and being really impressed with his pass catching ability. Uh, but but I had questions about him as a blocker. Uh, he he needed to bulk up. He needed to get stronger. He and and uh, work on his blocking. And he did that this season. Uh, he made strides in every one of those regards. And and, and I, I think I saw that same thing down at the Senior Bowl. And uh, of all the players at the Senior Bowl this year, he was as popular amongst the scouts uh, that are down there gathering information as, as anybody that I can recall. So I was shocked that he lasted as long as he did. Uh, on my board, I think I had him at 66 overall, so kind of late second, early third. Uh, but uh, I thought he was clearly, if not the second best tight end in this draft, definitely the third best. And, and I thought he might get pushed up a little bit because uh, this class was pretty shallow. Uh, so I think tremendous value. And I think the saints felt those tremendous value too. When you look back and, uh, and what they gave up to trade up to secure that pick to take him. And it's a great situation for him too. It's a big leap in competition and not something he can't uh, overcome. Uh, and he certainly looked like he belonged out the senior bowl, but now with the saints, they can kind of bring him along slowly for at least a year. And uh, so it's just really a, a great fit for both player and team. Yeah. I remember kind of when the senior bowl was going on or the senior bowl practices, it seemed like every day on Twitter, someone, someone on football Twitter was posting something on Adam Trapman and it sounded like he just had a, a very great week overall in the senior bowl. Um, it had a good actual senior, you know, in terms of practices and then it actually led to having a good senior bowl game. And I think that was the concern that if you're, if you're watching him as a prospect is the small school and can it, you know, can it can it translate when the competition picks up? And it sounded like he he did well for himself, um, even when that competition did pick up. 
Yep, absolutely. And another, you know, another guy that, that really comes off well as a person, um, kind of a small town kid. I think I remember hearing him talk about his backstory. I think he grew up in Michigan or somewhere around there. And uh, just kind of a, you can tell he's got kind of a, um, a small town personality a little bit. So I'm sure the lights and brights of New Orleans, the, the, the lights of New Orleans are going to be a little bit of a rude awakening for him. You'll have to get used to that and make that adjustment. But um, a really, really good prospect. And uh, that's one of those cases where maybe it won't make a huge impact this year, but it's going to pay dividends in year two, three, four. I've seen, I've seen some, again, this, this is, I feel is your, one of your strongest uh, traits besides your taste in music and your taste in TV shows um, is the player comparison. So I've seen, like a Tyler Higby player comparison. I've also seen like a Zach Ertz player comparison. Like how, what did you view him, at, view him as, as a player? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Tyler Higby is a pretty good one. Um, I think he's better though. Um, I'm just going through the teams. I'm actually at the, the Arlads depth charts page here. I'm just kind of paging through the team, seeing who, who kind of jumps out at me. Um, you know, I mean, I think there's some similarities to the guy that was the first tight end draft in the year in Cole Komet. Uh, maybe not quite as good of a, a blocker as Komet, but a better pass catcher. But similar kind of frames, uh, both really good athletes at that position. Uh, so uh, I think there's some comparisons to be made there. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think Cole Komet's a good comparison. I guess that's the best one uh, that I can think of off the top of my head. I'll, I'll let you know if I come up with a better one. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited about him. I, I like the possibilities of – you know, more 12 personnel with uh, Trotman and Jared Cook. You know, they said, uh, Jeff Ireland and Sean Pate said he's going to be sort of a wide tight end, more inline blocking, not just blocking, but blocking and pass catching. And I love his, I love his hands. I just watched it. I think he's like a really good pass catcher, real soft hands. So I really do think he, uh, he I think he's, he might not do much. I Like, I'd be surprised if he caught more than like 30 passes this year. But I think he's going to have those little package plays where he might, especially in the red zone, he might see some targets from Drew. Uh, so that's the draft. Uh, and then, you know, well, there's Tommy Stevens. We talked about him earlier. But I really want to kind of dip into the undrafted free agents. Uh, I don't know. I, I just threw a couple names out there. Uh, there were Mar- Marquez Callaway from Tennessee, uh, mm-hmm. Jawan Johnson from uh, Oregon and, and Penn State. Uh, those guys, I think they were ranked like 40 and 42 respectively on your uh, rankings. Do you have any thoughts on those guys? Yeah, both those guys, I think, fall into the category of almost any other year. They'd have a really, really good chance of being drafted. Uh, it's just it was a really strong draft class. Uh, Marquez Callaway, he was at the NFLPA All-Star Game. Uh, and, and for those who've been following the draft and go way back, Dave T. Thomas, who's like, um, kind of on the Mount Rushmore of NFL draft Knicks. Um, he was really high on Marquez Callaway. So uh, that was a good pickup. And then, you know, Juwan Johnson's kind of interesting. Uh, like you said, he started out at Penn State and then he transferred to Oregon for his senior season. 6'4", 230. He ran a 4.58 at the Combine. He was at the East-West All-Star game. Uh, so always considered a top-level prospect. Um, it's just what do you do with him? Is he, is he just a one-dimensional jump ball? 
uh, red zone type threat. I think that's a concern. And because he's probably not going to help much on special teams. So uh, I, I think that's a concern with him, why he went undrafted. Uh, just concerned about whether maybe he's a little one-two, one-dimensional. But but two really good pickups. Like you said, I had them in the uh, – I think I had uh, – Juwan Johnson I had at 40, and I had Callaway at 42. So um, both guys, I mean, any other year, they would have been fringe draftable guys. What would you – if going kind of – looks like the Saints really emphasized um, – with undrafted free agents is they brought in, it seems like they brought in a lot of depth along the offensive line. Um, you know, what out of the players that they brought in from the, you know, from that position or, you know, around the, around, along the offensive line, which player kind of stood out to you the most in terms of potentially has a shot at making the team? Well, Darren Paulo from Utah is interesting, but of course the name to talk about is Calvin Throckmorton, the offensive tackle from Oregon. Uh, who's uh, a very high-profile, decorated college player uh, and and was very well scouted. At one point, he was committed to three different All-Stars games. I think he wound up playing in two, including the Senior Bowl. Didn't have a great week at the Senior Bowl, uh, in large part because of, due to some numbers issues, they had to play him outside where he was just overmatched. Uh, he definitely needs to play on the interior at either guard or center. But I think that's what his value is, is the versatility, that he can play three different positions. Um, he could save you a roster spot on game day if you're confident in his ability to play all three for short stretches. So, um, I, you know, and like I said, that's probably a name that people are shocked went undrafted, but he was very much on that fringe. Not a great athlete. He only ran a 5.57 five, in the scouting combine. I think that was one of the slowest times, regardless of position. But, uh, but a good football player. And, and for what it's worth, uh, Duke Manyweather on Twitter, for those who follow him, he's the offensive line guru. Um, he, he really stands by Throckmorton and believes in him. So uh, that, that goes somewhere with me. Uh, and when, when a guy who's, who's really an expert in the field vouches for a player like he has. So uh, Throckmorton, I think, is definitely the guy to keep an eye on, not only among the offensive linemen they brought in, but maybe their free agent class as a whole. Well, I guess the last one for me, uh, you were kind of early on this, but Jameis Winston. We talked about him a little on the last podcast as a possibility with the Saints. And, uh, you know, here we are today. He is signed, you know, 1.1 million uh, <laughs> base salary. And he's like saying, who that, you know, uh, on the pre- uh, Saints presser and all that. So he's like a New Orleans Saint. For real. You, you can't know? afford not to sign him for a million bucks. Right, right. So. I mean- what I love, I love it. I love it. You know, like I, I, I'm on the record. I am still a James Winston truther. I still believe in him. Uh, he's still young. I think there's a lot to work with there, and I love this fit for him. I think the Saints are obviously getting a tremendous deal, and I love this fit for him. Uh, he gets a chance to to learn under Sean Payton and Drew Brees, and and maybe be the long-term successor there. If not, he can showcase himself and get himself ready to to go somewhere else and be a starting quarterback again. So. Uh, I think just a, a tremendous fit, and I'm so happy this happened. It makes my, as a football fan, this makes my heart happy uh, uh, because you know I was a fan of Teddy Bridgewater too, and the situation kind of worked out better for him. And I, I think James Winston has an even higher upside. Yeah, um, you were on. Everyone wants to kind of claim who they, you know, who was first, and you know, potentially like James thing. I I looked through my phone, and you sent me a text message on. March 20th, where you're just <laughs> putting like the, this is what I'm hearing type of thing. And, you know, you, you know, you, you had, you had your, your, 
or person telling you like, oh, maybe this could happen. And it, it sure enough did. And I've, I've gone on record to say like, I would be shocked, you know, if this is Drew's last year, I would be shocked if Jameis is starting and starting quarterback. Next year. It, a lot needs to be played out, but I'm on, on the, the mindset that once actual practices start happening, he's the, in terms of talent, in terms of just strictly arm talent, he's, he's had the most arm talent that Sean Payton has had since he's been the head coach of the Saints. And I think it's – and, and you know what the other thing I like about this is? That million dollars. That shows that Jameis Winston is serious about this. Because I'm sure he could have made money more elsewhere. And it's kind of embarrassing probably to, yeah. to go from where he was to making a million dollars a year. But that shows that he recognizes the opportunity – the unique opportunity that the saints pre- present and, and, and he's going down there. He's going to be all in. He wants to improve himself. He's going to be open to their tutelage and he's going to soak it all in. So uh, I, I think that, that, that dollar figure is kind of a, a laughing point, but it's also, I think speaks to, to Winston's commitment to this, uh, this, this kind of a uh, strategy and, and, and this idea. Oh, absolutely. And I, I think it's going to take one, one practice for Peyton to see, his actual arm talent in person in practice and his like I I can envision his mind going okay now I can run this play I can run this play and I just that's just how coaches think and um you know I don't know what the rules are but even if I could potentially see seeing them apply the the transition tag to him you know after this season if you know that gives them more time to see what his value is as a player that's a long ways away but we felt like we wanted to, you know, give you a shout out because you were the first person that was kind of, you know, putting this idea potentially that Jameis could, you know, could sign with the Saints and it came to fruition. So props props to you and and obviously your, you know, your sources that you have as well. Well, thank you. When I, when I heard it, it, it made me happy and I knew you'd probably be intrigued too. So, uh, yeah, that, that's a fun one. It's one of those where uh, the rumors actually come true. It doesn't always happen that way. No, obviously. <laughs> you would have thought we've had a right receiver at 24 if all the rumors come true. Um, but thanks again, Scott, as always, for, for joining us. Um, follow Scott on Twitter at Draft Countdown. Go to draftcountdown.com. On Monday, um, it will be the 2021 mock posted. Um, I hope at that point, Scott, when you have the Saints picking at 31, that you will have us drafting the right receiver. <laughs> I was gonna. I was gonna ask. Is that is that the way I should go, wide receiver? Uh, I mean, I would say wide receiver, but knowing them, whoever the a late round first left tackle is, would probably be the good route to go. So, all right, I'll file it away. <laughs> but thank you so much for for joining us, Scott. We appreciate appreciate you getting on. Uh, recapping the draft, all that. It's always, always a pleasure. Always good to talk football with you. And thanks for coming on again, man. Thanks, Anytime, guys. Good talking with you. All right. So with that, folks, we're we're gonna we're gonna head out. Just doing these episodes. Just you know, just it's we don't. There's nothing else to do. So, um, as always, you can follow Ryan on Twitter at that boy wolf. Um, you don't don't follow me on Twitter because it's pointless. And with that. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.